Hello and welcome. You're listening to episode 60 of Paws, Claws and Wet Noses, the vet podcast celebrating all creatures, great and small, and the fantabulous professionals who look after them all. I'm your show host, Julie South. Today, we are talking about toxicity in the workplace. Last week, I talked about how when you're known as a vet clinic that's an employer of choice, recruitment becomes a whole bunch easier. Positioning to become a vet clinic employer of choice means the clinic is creating the safety fence at the top of the new hire cliff rather than relying on this thing we call recruitment, which is kind of like the ambulance at the bottom. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying do away with recruitment altogether. What I'm saying is that when you're an employer of choice, you get to have more people to choose from when you do start spreading the word that you're hiring. As I said last week, there are plenty of moving parts towards becoming an employer of choice. And then once you get there, it's not something you can set and forget. Staying that way, being known as an employer of choice, takes a bit of TLC and ongoing maintenance, which makes sense when you think about it, because being an employer of choice is a relationship thing. And relationships that are worth keeping require TLC input and maintenance. Today, as I said, I want to talk about workplace toxicity and how it negatively impacts and affects a clinic's ability to ever become an employer of choice. I'm going to unpack some questions you can ask yourself if you're getting ready for your next move and some of the things that employers can do to start improving the morale and in turn profitability at your clinic. An old vet told my father when he was a student in Glasgow, he said, uh, if you want to be a success in veterinary practice, just keep the bowels open and trust the rest to God. Nutrition's not an opinion, it's a science. They called me that weird herbal needle vet, and I, I just remember thinking, well, I'm still going to do it, because I know it works, and I've got the research to back it. From reminiscences of the real James Harriet son, to pet nutrition, to acupuncture, the Vet Podcast discusses current animal health issues from around the world. I'm veterinarian Brian Gregor from New Zealand. Just search for the Vet Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Paws, Claws and Wet Noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full-service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vet Staff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, Vet Staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz For as long as you have a sick and toxic workplace, for as long as you have a reputation for having a sick and unhealthy workplace culture, you'll never be able to claim you're an employer of choice. 
because the professionals you want to hire, high-caliber vets and nurses, will see right through your chest-beating false claims and BS. To become an employer of choice, you need to deal with what's not working at your clinic first. You need to lance that abscess, amputate that gangrenous limb, because if you don't, seriously, your clinic will be hemorrhaging money that no tourniquet can deal to. You'll tie off one bleeder only to have another and another and another to deal to. Metaphorically, your clinic will look like a battleground, people with different types of wounds bleeding all over the place. If you've never worked in a place like that, I pray that you never do. And if you have or are, you'll know what I'm talking about. They're horrible places to work. You're scared to turn your back because you don't know what's either going to end up in it or what's being said. If you're listening to this as an employer, perhaps you're the principal, the owner, the hiring manager, the HR manager or the practice manager, please look at what I'm saying through the lens of how does this apply to this clinic, to our clinic, to my clinic. Now, let's start with a scenario today where you're job hunting. You're getting ready to make your next move and have started looking for good clinics to work at. You're doing your online research, checking out reviews, websites, and Facebook chats and posts. You're the employee looking to change jobs. Here are some of the questions that you can ask yourself and or the person who's interviewing you to make sure you don't jump from one toxic workplace to another that's the exact same, but maybe different. The first question to ask, to research, to check out is whether the leadership team inspires trust or relies on control. For example, are employees empowered to make intelligent and reasonable decisions because management, the leadership team, shares information? Or is everything on a need-to-know basis? And what if that need-to-know is truly need-to-know, but if there's a click, an in-team, and they don't need to know, but the info is still shared with them anyway? then it's not really on a need-to-know basis, but a who-you-know basis, which has the hallmarks of control growing on. A question you could ask at the job interview is about examples of employee empowerment systems. What policies and procedures are in place that empower employees to make decisions and or take action? For example, are nurses encouraged to utilise all the skills their education gives them? It's a good idea for vets to ask a question like this as well, because if the head vet at the clinic you're considering has a superiority complex, that attitude will permeate in some destructive and toxic form or another through the entire clinic. Of course, if you're of the opinion that vets reign supreme, then who knows? You'll probably fit right into a clinic like that. Of course, the vet reigning supreme has a flip side and maybe, just maybe, it might be a nurse who somehow believes that vets reign supreme and therefore discourages and maybe even obstructs the nursing team from showing initiative and or keeping them from doing higher level work. I've heard stories where some vets are scared to take on the been there forever head nurse who rules the clinic with an iron fist. With empowerment comes being backed up. 
What if there's a customer complaint? Will the management back the employee or the complaining customer? Will anyone be thrown under the bus? You need to know that management and everybody else has everybody's backs. The second question to ask is why is the position vacant? Why is the current incumbent leaving or moving on? Reasonable answers can include variations on not returning from parental leave or taking parental leave. Then it should only be a short-term vacancy anyway. Relocating, other opportunities or promotion. When we ask that question, we're all happy with these as being reasonable and acceptable answers. But if you hear something along the lines of personality conflicts or they didn't quite fit in or weren't a good fit, then you need to know more. What sort of conflicts? Why didn't they fit in? Who didn't they fit in with? Because you might not fit in either. And then how sad would that be? You might have the same personality conflicts as the previous incumbent. The third thing to look out for, what were or are the warning signs at your current or your last clinic for you? When you can recognize, and by that I mean, you know, what made you decide that it's time to change? When you can recognize warning signs, you're more likely to be able to to respond in a different way. If you're in a toxic clinic now and looking to leave, rather than attempt to reform, what signs did you start noticing in the beginning? Back earlier in 2021, I did a podcast on signs it's time to know to look for another job. I will put the link to that episode on the show notes page, the episode page for this at pawsclawswetnoses.fm. This is episode 60. Hindsight, of course, always gives us 2020 vision. There will likely be lots of little warning signs that in and of themselves didn't mean much singly. But when you add them all together, well, that's a whole nother thing completely. Jumping from the fat to the fire is exhausting and time-wasting. Life is too short to keep working in clinics where you don't fit or where you just haven't got that buzz anymore and you find yourself suffering from Monday-itis more and more often. So when you look back, what do you see? How do you think you'd recognize those events in advance now? And do you give yourself permission to mentally flag these events the next time you see them? Sometimes it's easy to say that you recognize the warning signs retrospectively, but giving yourself permission to see them again in the future rather than brush them off to start with is something else. So make sure you take the blinders off going forward. What initial impressions did you have at the interview? This is alert number four, initial impressions at the interview. With lots of interviews taking or starting off via Zoom or Teams, it's a bit harder to get a read on the clinic. There are some instances when a job offer is made and accepted solely on the basis of a Zoom interview. Of course, that's usually the only way for overseas-based vets to be interviewed. Accepting a position without visiting the clinic is par for the course. 
But what if you get the opportunity to visit the clinic and perhaps spend a day or a few hours with the team? How did that go? If it's not possible for an in-person walkabout or meet and greet, ask for a Zoom walk around. And when you get to the job offer stage, ask whether you can speak with employees yourself. If they offer so that you don't have to ask, it's a step in the right direction that relationships at the clinic are good. Remember, at job interviews, everyone will, presumably, be on their best behavior because they want to impress you. But look out for the little things. For example, were you kept waiting? It doesn't matter matter whether you've been kept waiting in reception or via Zoom. Waiting is waiting wherever it's done. Were you introduced to the front desk team and or given the opportunity to do so? Was everyone polite? What was the atmosphere like when everyone got together? Did they get together? Was there an us-them or a front-back demarcation? And how does that sit with you? Are you okay with that? The next one, this is oh so important. What are your values? Unless the majority at your current clinic would describe the atmosphere as toxic, doesn't mean that it is. And by this, I mean there are at least two sides to every story. If most people would regard the clinic as toxic, then it probably is. The perpetrators, also known as bullies, would deny that, of course. But what about everyone else? This is when it's really important to know and to stay true to your values. Now, I highly recommend that you sit down and identify what your values are. This topic is so important that I'll be dedicating a whole separate episode to it. So stay tuned because we're not going to cover that here, but we will in the future. If there's a part of you that's feeling kind of icky, that's a bona fide medical term by the way, icky, which usually starts in someone's gut. If you're feeling kind of icky at any point during the interview process, then trust that gut feeling because it usually doesn't let you down. It's commonly referred to as intuition or gut instinct. Trust it. And you have to know your values because it's your values that will be rubbing up against their values or their values that are rubbing up against your values that's causing this ickiness. Does your personality fit into the team? Number six, if you've got an aversion, for example, to high tech and all things computerized and you're interviewing at a clinic where everything has an app of some kind, then you need to ask yourself whether you can get over yourself and work there. I remember centuries ago when I was at the Reserve Bank, my team leader wanted to send me on some kind of computer programming course. Back then, I was happy doing things manually. Thank you very much. I resisted. I bucked. I fought. I kept procrastinating. And then I ran out of excuses. Of course, it was actually fear that was holding me back. Would I be brainy enough to understand what was going on? You see, straight out of school, I did some kind of computer programming aptitude test to intern as a programmer. The company was only taking A passes and I got a B minus, so I didn't make the cut. That failure stuck with me. In a way, it still does because I know that there's a part of me that resists learning a new app or how to do things differently 
computer-wise, tech-wise, when it's different to how I do things now. So check inside. Is how things are at the clinic you're interviewing for or at the bit that's giving you some concerns about something you need to get over yourself about? Or is it a genuine concern? Or is it an excuse for something completely different? Whatever it is, you've got to be honest with yourself because you'll be spending eight or so hours there and it's kind of a good idea to joy, to be able to enjoy yourself. Spending eight hours each day fighting yourself, getting over yourself, doesn't sound like my idea of fun. If that's the impression you're getting, then thank them politely and move on. Number seven, do the people, the leadership team and or the influencers there practice what they preach? Or are they all talk? Do some people get away with blue murder because they're the big billers? Or because they're the loudest? Or because if anyone challenges their behavior, they start making everyone else's lives miserable? Change has to come from the top, from the leaders. If a leader has a reputation for being do as I say, not as I do, then nothing is going to change. Working in a clinic like that will result in very high staff turnover and with vacancies that'll get harder and harder to fill as clinics employer brands and reputation become more and more visible online and more easily readable to access. Do any of the team have a reputation for doing things their way? For example, a vet who makes exceptions for clients. In other words, they change the rules. Maybe they don't charge fully. If one consult slot ends up being two slots, or maybe they give away rep samples to reduce the bill. When things like this happen, it can have a negative consequence and remove the feeling from everyone else of functioning as a team. If you're not offered the opportunity to chat and or meet other employees prior to accepting a job offer, then I'd start to wonder why. Even if you're interviewing from Kaitaia for a position in Bluff with Zoom, FaceTime and Teams, there's no reason at all why you can't meet other employees. If you're in Devon or Dublin or Durban interviewing for a position in Devonport, again, there's no reason why you can't have a virtual walk through the clinic and meet existing employees. Number eight, what's the clinic's onboarding process like? It usually takes months for a new employee to slot into an existing team like they've always been there. And until that happens, they're asking, the new hire is asking lots of questions about how to do things in that clinic, where to find things, what protocols are for certain scenarios. For example, what's the procedure, the protocol, the process when a hit by car is dropped at the door? And while a new person is getting used to how things are being done around here, others can get frustrated while they're getting up to speed, especially when everyone's busy, which everyone is right now. So ask about the onboarding process. What does that look like? What familiarization will you be taken through? 
Will you be walked through or just given an employee handbook if they've got one, your CMS login, your name badge, maybe an email address, scrubs, and then you're left to sink or swim? Whatever answer you're given, is that something you can live with and enjoy? What was the onboarding process like where you are now? Was it good or not so good? Do you want to repeat that? If you're stressed, others will be stressed as well. And then your patients will pick up on that. And well, you know what happens when that happens. So ask about the onboarding process. Number nine, do you like what you see? If you were able to visit the clinic and meet the team, did you like what you saw? Was everyone respectful of everyone else? Was there a general feeling of camaraderie or was there tension? And I'm not referring to the patient-specific type tension, you know what that's like, but interpersonal tension. When you were walking around and being introduced to the team, were you then told about each person's preferences? The way that vet likes things done, which might be different to the way this vet likes things done. Or that you never ask someone to do X because everybody knows he or she won't do it. If you're being told things like that, that can lead to huge and unrealistic performance expectations. How on earth is a new team member expected to remember all of these different requirements? And do you want to? You need to ask yourself whether they're reasonable expectations, or does it sound like a team that's full of prima prima donnas and princesses? Could you see yourself working, pandering to all these different needs? Could you see yourself working here? When you consider working there, how do you feel? Are you excited or anxious? Can you actually see, you know, fast forward in your head, in your brain, in your mind's eye. Can you see yourself working there? Do you think you would fit in? How about the dreams and the aspirations you had when you went to university or polytech to become a vet or a nurse? Do you think that those dreams are able to be realized at this clinic? I hope you found this helpful if you're looking to make your next career move. And if you're part of the management team that does the hiring, then look at these questions and ask yourself, is that how it is here at my clinic and what can I do about it to bring about change because if you're on the leadership team you are in a prime position to bring about change if you have a high turnover a high churn rate at your clinic then something is not working So go back, listen to these questions and look at them through the lens of what it might be like for employees at your place. Here at Vet Staff, we provide interview coaching to our job-seeking clients. We've got a series of different scenarios that we take our candidates through, different questions to ask to help level the playing field, especially where job-seekers are nervous because they think the interviewer has all the power. This coaching service is 100% free to all our vets and nurses who are registered with us. So if you'd like to know more, please get in touch. Before I sign off, I'd like to say thank you for listening, for your time, for helping to spread the Paws, Claws, Wet Noses podcast word. 
As I'm recording this late in 2021, we're approaching the 5,000 downloads mark, which I'm absolutely tickle pink about. There are episodes now that have down, been downloaded hundreds of times, and that's exciting. Sometimes I have to pinch myself that Paws, Claws, Wet Noses is now listened to in 50 countries worldwide and almost 500 cities around the world, all from my little recording studio in Hamilton, New Zealand. That's amazing, isn't it? I, I, I know, but I like to think that if my dad were alive, he passed away in 2005, he'd be so proud of me. He was a great believer in technology and all things computerized. It was him who pushed me to go into computer programming that I mentioned earlier and was disappointed that I only got a B- and missed out on having a tech career. In a way, I still have, kind of, sort of. Next week, because podcasting is tech, next week as we wrap up 2021 and herald in hopefully a wonderful new year, a wonderful 2022, I'm going to take you through some different ways for you to achieve your dreams. Back from my business coaching days, not New Year's resolutions, because if you're like me, they've mostly fallen by the wayside in a few days or a few few weeks. But different strategies that I've implemented in my life and you can implement in yours to bring about the change that you want, to be the change that you want to see. On behalf of Isabel and Kajal, I'd like to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. If you're traveling, please stay safe on the roads. If you're flying or on the water, also stay safe. Enjoy the time with your family, friends and other loved ones. Here's to wishing you a fantabulous day so that you can go out and be the most amazing version of you that you can be. This is Julie South signing off. Merry Christmas. Kakati Ano. Take care. God bless. Paws, claws, and wet noses is sponsored by Vet Staff. If you've never heard of Vet Staff, it's New Zealand's only full service recruitment agency, 100% dedicated to the veterinary sector. Vet Staff has been around since 2015 and works nationwide, from Cape Reinga to the Bluff and everywhere in between. As well as helping Kiwis, vet staff also helps overseas qualified veterinarians find work in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Vetstaff.co.nz An old vet told my father when he was a student in Glasgow, he said, uh, if you want to be a success in veterinary practice, just keep the bowels open and trust the rest to God. Nutrition's not an opinion, it's a science. They called me that weird herbal needle vet, and I, I just remember thinking, well, I'm still going to do it, because I know it works, and I've got the research to back it. From reminiscences of the real James Harriet's son, to pet nutrition, to acupuncture, the Vet Podcast discusses current animal health issues from around the world. I'm veterinarian Brian Gregor from New Zealand. Just search for the Vet Podcast wherever you get your podcasts from.